Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Welcome in, everybody. Happy Friday here on the Gramlich and McLean podcast, episode 202. And we have so many games to talk about. It's going to be another fun weekend of ACC football. Eric McLean, let's ride. Let's ride, KG. Come on. This is going to be a fun weekend. Loaded games. Can't wait to break down this big three and just really sprinkle throughout. There's some close ones, some close lines. We're going to have to make some difficult picks. I'll prove uh, for yet another weekend that I don't know anything about spreads and just randomly tell you guys something and we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, excited for this weekend. It's going to be fun to break down all these games. Stop it, Eric McClain. You know <laughs> what you're talking about. And look, against the spread, if you are above 50%, you're killing it. And after the first weekend, I was 3-3, three and three, you were 2-4, and four. we've got a ways to go, but it's not bad. <laughs> That's right. And the first weekend, you really don't know anything about these teams. So. Nothing. We should be better this week. We're giving you actually seven spread picks to take to the bank on this podcast. (laughs) Um, We're picking the Friday game and then six of the Saturday games, so get ready for that. I also have some absolutely random stats for this podcast. KG stats and info. KG stats and info. I'm telling you. Just like some random stuff. I think the brain bowl stats, because we have two brain bowls this weekend. Will um, will really please the listeners, but make sure you subscribe. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, YouTube, check out our YouTube page. We have a lot of fun stuff going on there, especially in our shorts, um, which is kind of a new feature that YouTube has. That's where you can find kind of where our creative juices get flowing. You can find Riley Leonard throwing down a three sixty dunk and other things. So check that out and make sure you listen to our podcast with Riley Leonard, the Duke quarterback from Wednesday. We will talk some Duke Northwestern today. Mac, ready to dive in to our big three? Let's go! Come on, big three. It's time. All right, big three breakdown. These are the three biggest games of the weekend. And we're going to start with our game of the week. Game number one that we're going to discuss, the game that I think everyone has their eyes on. It's number 24, Tennessee, at number 17, Pittsburgh. This is a 3.30 game on ABC prime time. Tennessee is a six-point favorite at Pitt. And remember, Pitt beat Tennessee last year at Tennessee. So keep that in mind. Now, I think what people, what Vegas is looking at here is last year, Tennessee was still figuring out their quarterback situation. They played both Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton. This year, they're going to play Hendon Hooker. He's their guy. And I think the biggest question in this game, Mac, if we just start with an overarching point, this pit defense that we have hyped up this whole offseason <laughs> didn't look great against West Virginia. They got the job done, but didn't look exceptional can they slow down this high-powered Tennessee offense? I think that's the big theme for this game. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any question. And, and love that we're starting with the defense with Pittsburgh because, again, those guys, you know, ferocious and, and had super high expectations and what we thought we were going to see from them and fell a little flat. You know, I think mm-hmm. West Virginia did some really good things to, you know, throw different looks at them. They got the ball out quickly. I mean, think of how many times a Pittsburgh defender was just right there but yeah. could not finish the drill. And, and what's going to be interesting, though, is – Listen, Hendon Hooker is way more mobile than JT Daniels. You're going to have to get him down, and you're going to have to stay disciplined in your rush lanes. Like, don't get, mm-hmm. don't go AWOL, and then this guy's running all over the place for you because we know Pittsburgh loves to go man-to-man. So what does that mean? Guys' heads are turned around. They might, you know, look back, and Hendon's, you know, 30 yards downfield running the football. So it's going to be instrumental for this defensive line to really get after him to get him down on the ground, but also pick it up in the run game. I mean, that was kind of crazy a week ago 
uh, an air raid offensive attack running the ball at will on this Pittsburgh team that is, has been exceptional against the run in years past. So just overall, d- defense needs to, to step it up, You know, see, see that dramatic improvement in the run game. Uh, Big John Morgan had a great game on the defensive line, kind of stepped up when Alexander went out there. Uh, and, and so just really excited to see that performance from those guys. And if you hit Hendon a couple of times, what, what does he look like? You know, how does he res- res- respond and recover? Uh, what will be fascinating defensively to see, KG? And Hendon Hooker is not exactly the the thickest guy. You get my drift there? So maybe put him on the ground a few times, and, and that will help Pitt's cause. I remember watching the huddle, by the way, on ACC Network, after the Pitt-West Virginia game, and Pat Narduzzi's up there, and he's acting like Pitt did not win. He says, I'm hot. Our defense did not look good. That is not our standard. I assume, Mac, that this week the defense has heard it. That That is what I'm guessing has happened in the pit meetings and in pit practice. I think this defense is going to be absolutely motivated to slow down Tennessee. And, you know, if Hinton Hooker does pass the ball decently well, which he's very capable of, to me one of the big keys here, and you alluded to it, Pitt cannot give up 190 rushing yards again like they did to West Virginia. They have to stop something. And with that, <laughs> with that big D-line, I think they have to focus on slowing down the run. If Tennessee hits some big plays, if they score, you know, 24 or 30, something around there, I think you can live with that. But they can't run the ball and control the clock the whole game. Yeah, and, and I think the, the biggest thing, too, is understanding, like, big plays are going to happen. Stuff's going to happen. This Tennessee offense is really, really good. You just have to live to fight another day, and you have to survive and advance and, and understand, okay, that this is going going to happen, but we're going to get ours as well. So is that one stop? Is it a momentum-swinging turnover, uh, strip sack? You know, what, what does that look like? Because these two offenses, you know, they put out a, a lot of firepower. And, and looking at Pitt offensively, I mean, yeah. what an opportunity in back-to-back weeks to, to be the star of the show. You know, I, I think – Keaton Slovis especially had a great first game. You know, people were a little bit critical, but I, I think when you look at what he was given opportunity-wise, I mean, he had over 300 yards on 16 completions. Like, that's nuts. He, he was mm-hmm. throwing the ball very well, didn't have all the time in the world, got sacked like five-plus times. That's not going to be the case this week. This defensive line is, is not going to be even close to what West Virginia was doing. Uh, and, and big stills in the middle there, the mismatch problems that you know he created. So you know if, if Keaton has more time to throw the ball, if he has more opportunity to throw the ball, I, I'd love to see him in the 30s throwing that thing and, and just watch him cook and, and see. Okay, now he's locked in, he's comfortable. Another big opponent. Let's go. Let, let's let's get let's get going. Uh, running the ball, obviously, we we saw Hammond step up immensely. Yeah. Was very impressed by him. And if you watch back. That Ball State game, Ball State had success running the football early against Tennessee. So how can they exploit that? Uh, need to see more from Izzy Abanacanda. Had pretty high expectations from him, and I'm sure he's just finding his way. And, and you know, first game again, that West Virginia defensive line was was really good and doing their thing. Um, but he and stayed then lastly, ready, Matt, because he had he that big play he in the passing ready. game too. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's key. Um, and then wide receiver-wise, I think Bub Means is – is going to be a dog. He he just has to again stay consistent, not have a silly play, a big fumble that he had, and you know a drop and things of that nature. And then of course uh, Wayne and Mumfield were electric. So this team I'm excited about. Still, I, I think this is a, an awesome opportunity. You've got a ranked opponent, ranked SEC opponent coming to town. Uh, what what fun to put on a show again in prime time with the nation's attention. Right, another big game where the ACC is featured and. I'll just say it. Let's say it plainly, Mac. The SEC bias is strong with this line. I mean, Tennessee is a six-point favorite. 
at Pittsburgh. Uh, Pitt beat them last year. Pitt is the higher-ranked team, and Tennessee's favored by six. I, I find that to be quite interesting. Now, I do have a question. I'm not meaning any insult to Pitt fans, but I've seen some stuff on Twitter that tickets are still available. This is not a night game. It's not West Virginia. It's Tennessee. I mean, this is a big opponent, but it's 3.30. Mm-hmm. That environment has to be rocking. Pitt yeah. fans have to show up and help out their team. But I, is that the only way to explain this line, Mac? The SEC yeah, I, bias? I guess. I guess so. And I, I want to touch on that environment, too. It, it's so different when with the ACC because you're in these massive cities, right? You're, you're in the city yeah. of Pittsburgh. Think of all that there is to do in the city well, of Pittsburgh. Well, and the Steelers are about to play, too. So right. that people are getting ready for yeah. that. Yeah, so, so there's so much you know else that goes on. That it, I used to get really mad about this when you know the SEC would say it just means more. But it's absolutely true, and this is a great example of why. I mean, there's nothing else to do in Knoxville but go to a game. I mean, they're playing Ball State that's 100,000 strong. What, what else are you going to do? We're going to go to the football game. Pittsburgh, there's a billion things that you can do. So it's it's so different. It's so unique from that standpoint. And you'd love to see the support. You'd love to see it sold out and rocking and, and getting after it, which I'm sure they're going to do their thing. Um, but, yeah, that that line, it seems crazy to me uh, early, early on. And we'll see. That's why we go and play the game. It's going to be fun for Pittsburgh. I know there's a lot to do, but block off four hours on Saturday. I'm with you 100%. And get over to Acrisure, whatever it's called, stadium. All right, Mac, before we give our picks, you're going to give me your key. I'm going to give you my stat. We've alluded to the fact that these two played last year. Last year, and Pitt has to replicate this is my point. Last year, defensively, Pitt had five sacks and nine tackles for a loss. They have to be that disruptive again. And the guy that led the way last year was a Graham Lincoln McLean alum, Haba Baldonado, he had two sacks and two tackles for loss last year. Come Pitt, on. And that's, I mean, Kenny Pickett's gone, yes. But that doesn't have to do with Kenny Pickett. That's the defense. And you returned pretty much everybody from your defense last year. Can you be that disruptive again? That's my stat. I love when there's synergy between the stats mm. and the keys to the game. It, it makes everything flow just so smoothly. I'm with you. That, that's, that's my key to the game. That defensive line has to be disruptive. That defensive line has to be in the backfield, not just hurrying and speeding up Hendon. They have to get him on the ground. They have to yeah. hit him time and time again. And, of course, tackles for loss are, are also a very nice piece of that element. And, and those linebackers getting down and hill in a hurry, big Servassier Dennis. Um, so that that's the key. You know, get him on the ground. Be stout on that defensive line. Be that defensive line that I think is top three in the country and really make a statement and help your team get a huge win here. I'm going to trust these veteran defensive players. I'm going to take Pitt plus six, and I'm, I'm taking the under here at 66 and a half. I think this game is played kind of in the high 20s. Yeah. So th- that's my pick for this game, Mac. What about you? I, I like that. I, I just, as an offensive guy, it's hard for me with these two offenses and what I think they can do to take the under here. Mm. But then it's also, am I giving enough respect to that Pitt defense, or am I thinking about last week? You know, it, it's a really complicated thing. It's a tough I one. Think, I think I'm going to stay – I'm going to say over. I think I'm going to say over. Um, and then I, I am going, of course, with Pitt, with with the number there, with plus six. I think they get it done, no question about it. And, uh, you know, I, I think Pitt makes makes a big business decision and gets rolling. All right. I love it. Okay, let's – that was our game of the week. Let's get to our other two games in the big three one of two brain bowls this weekend. Number 23, Wake Forest at Vanderbilt. Wake Forest is a 12.5-point favorite. Total here is 65.5. This is a noon game on SEC Network, so mark your calendars and your schedule so you can watch the game. 
And this is very interesting because Sam Hartman is back. That is the biggest storyline here. How does he look? Does he look like he hasn't missed a beat? Does he look like he's been in fall camp all year, all year, all fall, all August, working with the ones? Or does he look a little rusty? I mean, I think that's a fair question. But in the end, Mac, this Vanderbilt defense, I mean, they gave up 31 points to Elon. I I feel like Wake Forest is going to be able to score the ball. Even if Hartman looks a little rusty early, I think Wake is going to be able to have its way offensively. Yeah, um, jacked up is an understatement for Sam Hartman. And the fact that he is back and, and healthy and in a very safe way, everybody feels good about it. And, man, he's back leading his team, back doing what he does and and super excited you know, for this offense because it looked great with, with Mitch Griffiths. But how much better can it and will it look you know, with our guy Sam leading the way there and, and to face the Commodores uh, in Nashville. I know his wide receivers are jacked up. There should be a different kind of energy. And that's not disrespectful to, to Mitch. It's just that's your guy. I mean, right. he's been your guy for, for he's the four leader. or five years. Yeah, he, he's, the, he's the dude. So, you know, to, when you have that back, you know, and, and your high-powered offense, you know, they're licking their chops looking at this defense saying, okay, really? Like, that's, that's what we're going to do? So mm-hmm. let's go hang 60 on these guys. And, and I think – you know, it's going to be that thing where there'll probably be a little bit of nerves from Sam. You know, obviously, it sounds like uh, – not obviously. It sounds like he's been practicing, um, so I don't expect much rust. But it is game one, and certain right. things happen. The speed of the game is obviously different than and practice. On the and he's on the road. And, and so seeing all of that, uh, it, it expect him to be just fine. He's a vet. And like I said, these wide receivers, it's time to feast. It's time to go nuts. And, and really excited to see that, these guys, to have their guy back – he knows how each of them love the football, where they want it, how they want it, and I expect them to just absolutely go nuts offensively, throwing the ball all over the yard. And then, of course, as we know, that's going to open up the run that much more. Totally agree. I think this offense is going to be fine. Now, the defense is where I think this game <laughs> could be interesting because Vanderbilt has scored. Now, they've played Hawaii oh, yeah. and Elon. They have a very exciting dual-threat quarterback in yes. Mike Wright. Six total touchdowns against Elon. I don't care who you're playing. That's impressive. <laughs> Four passing, two rushing. This defense has to show improvement. They have to be able to contain Mike Wright. I think this is a higher scoring affair. And in the end, Vanderbilt is not outscoring Wake Forest, in my opinion. But how good and how much better can this Wake defense look? Yeah, well, that, that, you just mentioned it. They have to contain Mike Wright. Like, he, he's so effective with his arm, with his legs. I mean, he was dicing up. And listen, I know who he's playing. Like, I get it. It's it's Hawaii. It's Elon. Like, it's not comparable to, to Vanderbilt, you know, or excuse me, to Wake Forest. So when you see those guys, you know, what an opportunity for them, you know, to, to make some noise and make a statement and say, okay, we can contain this guy. And, and if you do, you know, what does that look like? And, and those big defensive ends going and hunting, you know, getting after that guy, just not – allowing him to break open and to be a game breaker and, and to get him on the ground, very similar to Hendon Hooker and what Pittsburgh needs to do. Just don't even let him get started. And you're feeling like you're in a, a very good spot. So when I see that, you know, a guy like Smenda is back, you know, he was suspended because of a crazy targeting penalty and, and left out of that first game, you know, that's going to be a big boost, you know, for this Wake Forest defense. And you know, those guys just to build, you know, got a new coordinator. This is a great opportunity to make a statement defensively. It is, for sure. And before we give our picks, I would like to give you a stat. Come on. That um, I think as Mac, who's about to welcome a baby girl into the world at some point in the near future, (laughs) as a father, these numbers should concern you if you feel like your daughter might end up going to a private school. But Mac says scholies only, so I understand. That's right. She's fine. 
I want you to guess. And I don't know if you looked at this when I sent it over. So I didn't look. You didn't. I okay, have good. not looked. I have not looked. Which school between Wake and Vandy has the higher estimated cost of attendance for this school year, for 2022-2023? I'm going to go. <laughs> They're very close, by the way. They are very close. Okay, so it's not like, it's not a No, no, no. They're separated by $1,000. Oh, wow. Uh, Wake Forest is smaller. Yeah. I'm going to go Vanderbilt. I'm going to go Vanderbilt. Okay, you are correct. Nice. Now, just quickly, give me your guess. What does it cost to go to Vanderbilt? No, Full I, cost of attendance. No, no, I have no clue. I have zero clue. If you were to guess $84,412, a year? you would have been correct. A year. A year. And Wake is $83,054. Wow. That's everything. That's tuition, hey. room and board, student <laughs> fees, everything. Let, let me just go ahead and get this on, on the record now. My, my unborn daughter, uh, if you do not get a basketball scholarship to either of those schools, you're not going there. Exactly. So what let's figure golf? it out. Mm, she's going to be a hooper. She's going to be All right. Well, you know I love that. We'll work with her. We love that. Okay, so that's my stat, Mac. Now, give me a key to this game. <laughs> yes. I love it. Well, the stat, uh, there is no synergy on this one, uh, so, which is fine. Uh, just let Sam rip it. Just let him be him. Go out there. Uh, let him feel the game. Super, again, excited for him to be back. Uh, want to see him run it. Want to see him pass it. And, and just be the the lead guy here and orchestrate this offense to perfection. I mean, it was so fun a year ago, 50 touchdowns. I mean, it's only been done two other times in the history of the ACC. So to see him be that guy, to be back, that that's the key. Just let him loose and let him go out there and have a ball. For sure. I, I, the number here is 12 and a half. I think Wake covers. I think it's high scoring, um, but I just I think Wake is going to outscore Vanderbilt by 12 and a half. I see them winning by two touchdowns. So I'm going to take Wake by uh, minus 12 and a half and over, over 65 and a half. Uh, Defense may be somewhat optional in this game. (laughs) Which I'm cool with that. Are are you thinking the uh, Army Wake Forest game of of a year ago, 70 plus, is to win the game? Uh, I don't know if it'll be that bad, but I'm with you. I'm taking taking the over. I'm taking Wake. I think this offense is just going to be too good. And then defensively, you know, early in the season a year ago, they were great at getting turnovers and great at, you know, forcing the, the opposition into giving them the football Wake Forest was. And so can they get a couple of those mm. and really just change the game momentum-wise? Yeah, that would be big. Okay, our final game of our big three, and then we'll speed round through the rest of these games because there's a lot going on in ACC football this weekend. This is another non-conference um, Power 5 battle between Virginia and Illinois. Virginia is at Illinois. Illinois is a four and a half point favorite. This is a 4 p.m. game, kind of weird start time, on ESPNU. Per ESPN's FPI, Illinois has a 66% chance to win this game. What I find so interesting about this game, Mac, is it's an ACC QB battle. It's Tommy DeVito, <laughs> who used to be at Syracuse, is right. now at Illinois, versus Brennan Armstrong, who we know, of course, is one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC. Illinois played two games. They played Wyoming and they played Indiana. They beat Wyoming. They lost to Indiana by three last week in a heartbreaker. They had four turnovers in that game. Three of those were fumbles. Tommy DeVito, look, he got beat out at Syracuse. He kind of looks the same at Illinois. He's, he's capable, but he turns the ball over. Against Indiana, he was 21 of 35 for 232, two touchdowns and a pick. That sounds about right. I just wonder if Illinois can score with Virginia. That's my right. question here. And we we relatively saw this game a year ago, right? When and with Virginia killed him. 
killed them. So I just don't know. I think it's one of those things if, you know, Brennan gets cooking early, in which I certainly think he's going to be able to. You know, his mobility looked fantastic a week ago. He looked like a totally different guy just from a physical standpoint. And those wide receivers, I mean, they're they're some of the best in the country. And this unit, you know, right up there with, with anybody when you see what they can do, how different they are. And I think that'll be, again, on full display going against Illinois here. The, the, the one thing that, you know, Virginia is going to have to do defensively is just get after this running back group mm. because they have – you know, a marquee back that I think has already ran it like 55 times yes. or something crazy like that. 55 exactly here. So they're going to run the football. What can you do? And, and kind of knowing that and knowing personnel-wise in Tommy DeVito that he might give it to you and he's not the most consistent, you know, player in, in the world, load that box up and let's see if he can beat us. Like, let's let's try to, to you know, stop the run at all costs and Nick Jackson be a missile out there and, and just really get after this young man. And, and what can we do on the edge and, and with the corners and, and you know, bat, batting balls down, creating a turnover. But I think at, ultimately at the end of the day, this offense from Virginia is just going to be too overwhelming mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, score in a hurry and just put Illinois in a, in a rough situation because it's almost like if we don't score, we can't keep up. What, yeah. what happens? You start getting anxious. You start forcing things. And, of course, that leads to, to bad plays for you. And Illinois just plays differently. They ran the ball 54 times against Indiana. If this becomes a shootout, that they can't, can't play in up. a shootout. Nope. So that's why I, I think this is a very interesting game because it's which style will prevail. Now, look, they're going to run the ball, and I'm just going to give my stat early here, Mac. In two games, Illinois is averaging. They played Wyoming, which is, you know, that's a decent group of five teams. They played Indiana. In two games, Illinois is averaging 237 rushing yards per game. This is what they want to do, and UVA has to buck up up front and stop the run. And which style will prevail? That's the biggest question. And I, I feel I don't want us to sound too homery in this big three, but I'm a little confused here because I just don't know how Illinois is going to score right. with Virginia. <laughs> right. Unless Brandon Armstrong what, goes turnover crazy, but he doesn't right. do that. He doesn't. He doesn't. And, and I think what also is interesting and, and folks need to remember is. You know, Radzinski, the defensive coordinator, came from Air Force. He's used to going against run-heavy yeah, teams. True, like, that's point. what he's used to stopping. So I have to think that he's going to be able to scheme this up, have a good plan, be used to this, and say, boys, let's go. Like, I know personnel is what it is, but let's lock in. And, again, I mentioned Nick Jackson. He's that dude. He's a fantastic linebacker. He's a guy that can get after it and, and hopefully help change a game. So I'm with you, KG, and, and I know it, it, it. I'm sure the Big Ten people are saying something totally different. Right. But I just – I've seen this game, and, and I think it's not going to be that much different in a, you know, a packed environment at Illinois. You know, I don't know if they're, uh, they're as jacked up as, as most people are. It's so interesting because – Duke beat Northwestern last year. Virginia beat Illinois. Pitt beat Tennessee. <laughs> and they're underdogs in all these games. The disrespect. Now, two of them are on the road, and two of them right. were at home last year. I get sure. that. But I just – I don't understand. I'm taking Virginia plus four and a half, Mac. What, what's your key in this game? Yeah, it's similar to Wake Forest. Just let Brennan go crazy. Like, yeah. he's he's that guy. He's going to run the ball well for you. You know, what? what is going to be interesting for me to see, too, KG, now that we're going against a Power 5 opponent here with this offense is – you know, can they continue to stay balanced? You know, they did a great job of that, you know, a week ago, obviously. Um, but now that you, there's going to be some stress involved, I'm sure, you know, do you revert back and, and just have to throw the ball, you know, 40 plus times? And which is fine. Brennan can more so than do that. So the key for me is just let him cook. Don't force the issue. If you can't run the ball, that's okay. Throw it 50 times a game, whatever you have to do, you know, to win a football game. So that's my key there. And I'm with you. I'm taking UVA 
plus four. I might take the under here just because, again, I don't know what Illinois is going to do, and I think they're going to try to shorten the game. Uh, so okay. I, I don't think this is going to be the, this big back and forth like the, the previous two games. Yeah, I could see that. I think that's a good call there. And, again, we'll post all these picks on Twitter, so make sure you're following at Kelly Graham, like at Eric McLean. All right, it's time for our speed round, Mac. Come we've on. Got so many games to hit on. We've talked about how we've been leaning ACC in the first three. I'm not sure either of us are leaning ACC in this Friday night game. Louisville at UCF. UCF is a six-and-a-half-point favorite, 7.30 p.m. ESPN2. That should be a really fun game, prime time. Louisville. I mean, what what in the world, Mac? First of all, they started on the road at Syracuse. They scored seven. Now they have to go on the road again to UCF. That's a very tough start. Where's their head? Where's their confidence? I mean, can they bounce back and get up off the mat against a UCF team that can absolutely score with an elite QB-RB duo and John Reese Plumley and Isaiah Bauer? I mean, I'm worried for Louisville in this game, Mac. Yeah, I'm worried too because we just saw what happens when they go against a quarterback and running back like that, Great of that point. caliber. And, uh, you know, obviously some dramatic improvements are going to have to be made. Uh, but Plumley, I mean, he he's nice. Like, he can throw that ball extremely well. He, he even changed positions a year ago at Ole Miss. So he hadn't even played quarterback for a year. He was a wide receiver for those guys. And now he's right back in the saddle, 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing, five total touchdowns. Like, that is a problem. Louisville, you have got – to have an answer for that. I need to see big Abdullah, Diaby, Montgomery, like make some noise, like hit that young man, get him on the ground and make some things happen. So defensively, I mean, you got shell-shocked last week Mm. against Syracuse. Didn't even know what hit you. Those guys, you look up 31 points later, it's like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And then just offensively for Louisville, Malik has to be better. I mean, it's just at the end of the day, push the ball downfield, make plays happen with your legs. Two interceptions, three sacks, zero touchdowns, KG. I mean, I know Syracuse defense is nice, but, you know, he's supposed to be the breakout yeah. Heisman of the ACC. And, you know, so many of my colleagues and folks were, were just jacked up to see this young man. That stat line is terrible. And yeah. his his completion percentage, I, I think, was over 70, but it was dinks and dumps. Like, he was averaging, you know, single-digit yards per, per attempt there. So, got to figure that out. Got to get him involved. The run game looked pretty good from Louisville, but – Obviously not enough to do any type of damage. So you've got your hands full in back-to-back weeks here. I really, when you look at this number, I mean, I think the play is UCF minus six and a half. Do you have any qualms with that? Nope. Yeah. Until proven otherwise, Louisville, you're, you're on my do not touch yep. list. And that place, UCF, the bounce house is going to be rocking too on Friday look night. Out. It's going to be look tough. Out. It right, would be. How fun would it be if this was over, though? You know, if those guys scoring a well, bunch of points, last year was a high going game. back and forth. I know it ended in like two pick sixes yeah, back to back. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. So we'll we'll see. This will we'll be see. interesting. I think it'll still be entertaining if Louisville can show up. Come on, Louisville. <laughs> bounce back. All right, let's get to some of these noon games, Mac. I there are some games that are kind of bigger spreads. I want to start with the game that I think is honestly most intriguing in the noon slot: the Duke Northwestern game. And we talked about it a good bit with Riley on Wednesday's episode, if you want to go back and listen to it. Duke at Northwestern, another brain bowl. Northwestern, I saw the number move up, Mac, 10-point favorite. This game is on FS1 at noon. The total's at 58-and-a-half. And and here's the difference. Here's where I think Vegas is thinking. Northwestern's been tested. They played Nebraska. Now, Nebraska, I don't think is very good, but they played Nebraska. (laughs) They scored a bunch of points. Their defense gave up a bunch of points, but they scored. Their offense looked good with Helensky, and they could run it and pass it. Can this defense for Duke that gave up nothing to Temple, which is very impressive, can they hold up against Northwestern? And I, I kind of get 
this line, I think it's a little high, but I get what Vegas is thinking because Northwestern has proven it against a Power Five team. Yeah, I, I don't know if I do. I think okay. it's, it's, I think it's a super high line. I think it's it kind of. Cr- I think it's, it's almost like, uh, and I, again, I have no idea how these are set or have any indication on how they get to these numbers, but it's almost like you didn't watch Duke and you just threw out there, oh Duke, this is the same team that turns the ball over that has no defense and blah blah sure. blah. That's not the case. Like Duke has a quarterback now, and I think that just it, it puts such an exclamation point on the statement of the and the understanding that if you have a QB, you're going to be fine. You can win football games, and Riley showed that man. He can distribute that ball around. He can find different guys. He's mobile enough to really make some noise, and and obviously a good athlete. Dude's doing 360 windmills out here. So I think just with that in mind. 10, 10 is crazy. I mean, it's it's just nuts to me, and especially in a game that, like, you almost had to be given to win going against Nebraska. Nebraska was up 11, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden decided to do this horrendous onside kick and just lose all momentum. And, of course, Northwestern had to score and had to storm back, and they did. But I, I just – I don't know. I, I think that line's absurd. And when I see Duke, again, how impressive they looked week one, the fact that, you know, they did beat Temple, who I know is not a good team, but – also, a year ago, I saw them struggle with A&T. Like, right? th- this is a different team. Big and, and I think, it, it again, it just proves that when you have a quarterback, it changes everything. Riley, obviously, this is a much bigger test of a relatively good defense that got their hand on the football three times. So, please do not revert back Duke to, to the old Duke that we've seen. Just give the ball away and, and put your defense in really adverse situations. Um, and then wide receivers. I mean, Jordan Moore has a legitimate chance at the NFL now. I don't think there was any shot before. Now this guy might be drafted and playing on Sundays. He looked explosive. It was game one. This guy's played receiver for three weeks. You know, the improvement I think we see from him is going to be dramatic year or week in, week out. And, of course, Jalen Calhoun finally looking like that guy I thought he was going to be from year one uh, with just getting the football. As you said, defensively, big challenge. These guys are super balanced. They want to run the football. Helensky has shown historically and a week ago, two weeks ago now, uh, that he can throw the football. He has grit, moxie, uh, and that clutch yeah. gene. So this is it's going to be a tough test. It's going to be a good game. And, you know, one of the biggest factors in why Duke is different, you didn't really mention, Mac, is they have a brand-new head coach in Mike Elko. Right. And <laughs> I feel like this culture just seems different under Mike Elko. And and to me, you know, the key is get the ball in the hands of these playmakers with Jordan Moore and Jalen Calhoun. Before we give a pick on this line, Mac, I just want to ask you one more time, um, which school do you think has the higher cost of attendance, Duke or Northwestern? I I think it's Northwestern. Chicago, I'm thinking of that, you know, big city market up there. I'm I'm going with Northwestern. You are two for two on these guesses, Mac. Come on! You can go to Northwestern for only $87,804. You can go to Duke for an absolute steal of $79,338. Duke has the lowest cost of attendance of these four brain ball teams. You know, we do it for the people. We do it for the people. I'm going to give you another little little, uh, KG stats and info right here. The entire state of North Carolina plays at noon tomorrow. Like, what are we doing? Interesting. That's the craziest. It's so weird. I was looking. I was just kind of yeah, making this rundown, that. looking at this. I'm just like, what? What's going on here? Super weird. You're right. right. Anyway. Wake plays at, at noon. <laughs> so Duke plays them, at noon. Literally all. And then we'll get to the other ones. So, are you thinking Duke plus ten here? Yeah, easy. I mean, this is embarrassing that, that they so did too. this to. Them. It's crazy. Give Vegas me- might might just fool all of us, but. I think Duke's going to cover. Uh, maybe. You're right. I hate Vegas. I don't know how they always know. But I think Duke's covers it. I think Duke wins the game. I mean, I think it's I think it's crazy. Plus 10 is nuts. 
All right. Speaking of the state of North Carolina, we'll get to the two like really big, big spread games in just a second. But I want to talk UNC Georgia State because this is the other really interesting noon game. I think Wake, Duke, and UNC, you need to have all three on different screens for the noon <laughs> game. And then, of course, if you're a college football fan, you may be watching Texas, Alabama. So you got to figure that all out. But uh, UNC is going to Georgia State because why not, Mac? I, I'm not going to spend time ranting on this like we did the other episode. I, I guess who recruit Atlanta? I don't know. I feel like you still can recruit Atlanta. You're UNC. I mean, everyone knows who you are. Uh, they're a seven-and-a-half-point favorite at Georgia State. This game's on ESPNU at noon. 64 is the total. Can this defense, Mac, show up in any sort of way? Can Gene Chizik be the miracle worker that we've heard he can be? Yeah. We'll see. I mean, that, that's the biggest thing of this game is, oh my goodness, just step up. Just, just have some pride. Just have some pride and play for, you know, the logo on your helmet, the name on the back. Like, don't be embarrassed. And I've seen some interviews and, and some some write-ups of guys just saying, you know, this doesn't feel good. I don't like this. Like, well, yeah. fix it. Like, do something about it. Uh, and, and especially the defensive line. I know I've been hard on them, but that's where all those five stars are. That, that's where – we're, I've heard for so long that these guys are, are going to be monsters. And where are they at? Let's see it. Let's let's do it. Um, a great opportunity here against a, a lower caliber team to make some noise and to get after it. So that's all I'm going to say about the defense. Excited to see Drake again. Oh, I mean, yeah. this this guy's one of the best players in, in the conference. He's really emerging very quickly as a capable guy. We don't know about Josh Downs. It sounds like he's going to be week to week for the foreseeable future, but. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, I don't think that has much impact on this offense. Like, he does such a great job in Drake May of distributing the ball, getting a lot of different guys involved. If, if you look at the first game and the second game, it's almost like he just said, well, I went to these receivers in game one, I'm going to go to these receivers in game two, and, and just spreads the ball so, so well. And, and you know, I think those running backs are going to be just fine. Georgia State only gave up, you know, 77 yards to South Carolina running the ball. Mm. I didn't go back and, and dive into that game like – like uh you know, play for play. So I'm not sure if South Carolina just gave up on the run or if those guys truly, you know, were monsters in the middle. But, you know, they haven't seen anything like this this North Carolina running attack. So I think those guys are going to be just fine. And, and UNC, you know, takes care of business. I'm glad you bring up the South Carolina game because South Carolina struggled a little bit early with Georgia State. Yeah. But the perception nationally is that they handled their business. So I think because Which, South if you Carolina, watched, it was like two block punts to yes, score touchdowns. So it, it wasn't. It totally was. It's a little uncomfortable. No, I agree. So if UNC can go out there and win by 10 or 14 or even more, I think it'll look good for the ACC and, and all that. And South Carolina had them at home. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm taking UNC to cover here. I, I just think the offense is too much. UNC minus seven and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And, and the over-under will be interesting just because I, I have no clue what this defense is going to do yeah. for, for Carolina. So Lord knows. probably until proven otherwise, you should take the over when you see Carolina play. <laughs> yeah, I think so. All right, Matt, quick thoughts on these other noon games. Southern Miss at number 15, Miami. That's on ACC Network. And then Charleston Southern at number 18, NC State. That's on ESPN3 at 1230. I think we just need to see NC State and Miami go out there and look good on both sides of the ball. I, I don't know if there's much to say about these games, but let's remember, Miami, this is your final tune-up before you go to Texas A&M next week. So everything has to look good right. against Southern Miss. And that's why I think this game might be a little different than before. You know, mm. we saw, you know, Tyler throw the ball like two times, you know, in the week before. I think they're going to have to try to push it a little bit just to get ready. Like you said, it, it's going to be one thing, you know, to get in that environment and play in that caliber of a game. It'll be a totally another if, if you haven't thrown the ball, 
20, 30 times a game, and now you're forced to. And, sure. and now it's what a weird feeling that could be for him. I know he just did it a year ago, but you know, just getting comfortable with these guys and these receivers, like being depended on to to have production. I mean, they ran the ball so well last week, and really, you know, you didn't even need those guys. They did catch the ball at a rate of 88%, which is fantastic. And you know, it's, it's probably better than that, honestly. There's probably some errant throws or whatever in there, but you know, just just getting be, to be able to depend on them is going to be very important against the Texas A&M team. And then when I look at, you know, NC State, I mean, this is – you say there's a little bit of touchdown. There's a lot because these guys have to right. get it going. Like, Don't it was embarrassing. Good. Yeah, it was embarrassing what we saw last week. And a guy in Devin Leary, who I love and think he has an unbelievable ceiling, did not look good. And he's got to get it back together, get his guys going, and, uh, you know, really just be this offense that we think it can be throwing the football. And then defensively, so many missed tackles. So many MAs. Coach Doran has spoken about it immensely and just saying that he's ticked off about it. A uh, guy in Tanner Engel, one of their best players, just had a ton of misses. And, and so those guys just need to rally, figure it back out. Peyton Wilson, is, is he going to be healthy? It sounds like he, he had a scare with his shoulder. Uh, not I haven't seen if, it, if it's a, an injury that he's out or if he's going to be able to play. Uh, but, you know, praying for that young man and hope, hope he gets back. We've got one 3-30 game, Mac. Furman at number five, Clemson on ACC Network. <laughs> there could be a little bit of a downpour situation. The weather is not looking great, so that's going to be awesome. interesting. The biggest reason to watch this game is to see what happens with the quarterbacks. How much does Cade play, and what does he look like? I think back a couple of years ago to the Trevor and, and um, Kelly Bryant situation. Furman was the first game, and Kelly Bryant did some good things, but he didn't look super great. Trevor Lawrence came in late and impressed. You can't win a job against Furman. But I think you can continue to build your case right. if you're Klubnik or DJ against Furman. Right, right. And I, I love the the weather report there, KG. Is that because you're going to the game and you need to know what to wear I'm there? I'm actually is not, that... but my husband is. And um, he, oh, I yeah, have I another bachelorette party. <laughs> Traveling, world traveler. World but, traveler. <laughs> uh, no, Nick's going, and the weather is go. looking interesting. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So run the football. Uh, that's what we're going to see. We're not going to learn. We're not going to learn anything about learn the anything? quarterback position. No, it's, it's going to stink. Um, but I think, you know, again, looking at, you know, a week ago, 31 point, a week ago, it was like two days ago, 31 point victory. Great job by Clemson, you know, against a conference opponent on the road. You cover for the first time in a million years. Uh, defensively, just stay healthy. Be who you are. Uh, Going to see a lot of young guys play. Um, and, yeah, if that rains as bad as you say, we, I don't know if we'll learn too much offensively. Depending on the weather. I think sure. that game's interesting just because if it, you know, depending on the weather, we'll see what happens with the quarterbacks and, and what we end up seeing. Mac, let's talk about the night games. we got Come three on. night games to break So many down. games. There's still There's so three games, games to break I love down. it. I love it. Two of these we can go through pretty quickly. Um, and one of these Mac will be at, and we'll get to that. But the first night game that we must discuss is a rivalry game, Syracuse and UConn. Syracuse at UConn. Syracuse is a 23-point favorite. This is 7 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. So make sure you have that or find it or whatever. UConn is revamped with Jim Mora as their head coach. They lost to um, Utah State, who got blasted by Bama. And they beat Central Connecticut State 28-3, which is great. Syracuse looks amazing. They they looked amazing against Louisville. Garrett Schrader's a brand-new man, as we've discussed. And give the ball to Sean Taker. uh, Sean Taker. Sean Tucker. Let him cook. The, the what interesting stat here, Mac. Before you give me a little breakdown, Syracuse is just one and four at UConn since their first meeting in Connecticut in 2005 when Dan Orlovsky balled out. 
So Syracuse has had trouble winning at UConn. I'm just going to throw that out there. Sure, sure. Brand new man, brand new team. Like, let's get it going. Throw that stat out the window. Uh, And now now it's going to be fun, though, to see with the Syracuse team. Like, was that just this perfect storm, perfect game against Louisville? Or are you going to really step up and be this dominant team? I love the offense. I love what it looked like. You know, we were discussing in great lengths about the creativity of Coach Robiner and I and what he's going to do with Sean Tucker and move him around. And I love it when these guys actually make me look smart, like I know what I'm talking about, because they put Sean everywhere. And it was awesome to see that he's such a weapon. I mean, they split him out wide, run a tunnel screen to your running back, and he just houses it for 55 yards. Like, let's get him the rock any way that we can. Continue to do that. Garrett Schrader, my goodness, didn't look anything like what we've seen from him historically. He is tuned up. He is throwing strikes down the field. His footwork was sick. His running ability is just such a weapon that people, I don't know, it's like they know it's happening, but you just can't stop it. He's so big has these great long strides and just goes through people. I mean, it's it's really impressive to see defensively Syracuse did exactly what I thought they could. Uh, so much speed on that field, elite cornerbacks that can really just shut down either side of the field at, at any given time. Um, health will be a little concerned. You know, they got banged up in that Louisville game. A couple of really key players went down on the defense, but overall, just to continue to see those guys stack and, and continue to to win football games. Syracuse, man, look out. This could this could be really fun. Look out. UConn does have a solid running back themselves, Nathan Carter. He's rushed for 100-plus in both games, but I think that's going to be the main focus. I think Syracuse covers. It's a big number, big but number. I, UConn is – they're trying to rebuild, but this they're not there yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. So I think Syracuse covers the 23. And I want to shout out some of our Syracuse listeners. Syracuse Dan tweeted at us Come the on, other Syracuse day. Dan. Um, I think these Syracuse fans are getting excited, I, and they should. Absolutely should be. I'm all, I'm all in should. with Cuse right now. Uh, quick thoughts on Western Carolina at Georgia Tech, Max. 7 p.m. ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Georgia <laughs> Tech just looked better offensively. I mean, try to look – well, I mean, you're not going against go one of the best way. defenses in the country. No, no, no. So. Obviously, you're going to look yeah. better. But which playmakers get involved? Who makes some yeah. plays? Does Hassan Hall right. make some plays? Let, let's see that from Georgia. That, that's what will be fun, to continue to, to see those guys shine. There were flashes, of course, but ultimately just too much talent you know, for Clemson in, in that perspective and, and the things that they were able to do. So to see those guys get after it, to see Jeff Sims, to again, just build and saw flashes, just put it together for a full game, certainly what we should see here in Georgia's Tech should roll. All right, the primetime game, Mac and the Huddle, will be live in Blacksburg for 0-1 Boston College hey, 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 at hey, 0-1 hey, hey, Virginia hey, hey, Tech. Hey, hey, hey. You don't have to say all that. <laughs> here's, but here's what I'm going to say. This is 8 p.m. on ACC Network. VT is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Neither team's season is over, okay? Both teams have zero ACC losses. Right. I think that has to be the mindset here. BC's losses looks a little better, and it's not a good loss, let's be clear. Uh, Virginia Tech losing Old Dominion. Obviously, that was terrible. But here's my first thought on this game, Mac. I feel like most people are going to look at this game and just write off Virginia Tech. I would not do that. I would not do that in Blacksburg. I would not do that coming off a game that in many ways was fluky. They turned the ball over five times. I don't care who you're playing. If you're on the road and you turn the ball over five times, you're losing. (laughs) They have to clean that up. I think that's something they can clean up. Can this offense look a little more creative and maybe take some pressure off Grant Wells? I think that's the question with this game for Virginia. Well, it's kind of a double-edged sword here, right? Because you you talk about those five turnovers. Four of them were picks. Boston College pass defense is nuts. Like, they're really good. So I think the creativity part is going to be vital because Boston College also still showed they cannot stop a bloody nose if it's running. So 
Yes. Run the football if I'm Virginia Tech. You, you have a, a nice stable of backs that you trust and that you've seen. And, of course, if Malachi Thomas can be back, I'm not sure the extent of his injury, then you feel really good. Pound that football. Try to control the clock. Don't give the ball uh, you know, to BC. And I, I think you're in a good spot. Defensively for Virginia Tech, I am heating up Phil Dracovic time and time again. That offensive line was abysmal. The coaching staff did not help them by calling any type of quick game, max protection. I mean, honestly, I, I went through that tape, KG, and it was crazy. Like, there were so many MAs, just guys on different pages. I mean, th- there's this one play where it's max protection, slide right, and the center, like, sprints left like it's a run play. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And they blitz two guys right up the middle and kill Phil as he touches the ball. It, it was the craziest thing. That the MAs that we saw from Boston College in that game, good thing is MAs are relatively fixable. Like it's not just physically okay. getting crushed. So we'll see. This is going to be an interesting game just to see who can bounce back. I think if, if you just look at it on paper, Boston College is way more talented. But then when you see where it matters most on the line of scrimmage and, and stopping the run, they, I give Virginia Tech the edge. So it, it's going to be fascinating to see that two number is is – Crazy. I, I think that I'm going with Virginia Tech. I think the crowd, the home environment makes some no- noise. I think they really like, really? I think they give them an edge there. And I'm surely going under. I think this is going to be an ugly, yeah. ugly game. I would take the under. That's interesting, Mac, because I thought I was going to be the only one taking Virginia Tech. Oh, we're together? So we oh, both man. are taking Virginia Tech. <laughs> because I, I think Blacksburg is just, it's, you know, it's a factor in itself. And I think Virginia Tech can run the ball, and I don't think BC can. I mean, that's they couldn't run the ball on Rutgers. I don't think they're going to run the ball on Virginia Tech. But the other the other factor here is the best player on the field is Zay Flowers, so he is the wild card. If and he, I mean, he played well right. against Rutgers. No he had two touchdowns. Yeah. So you've got to be able to slow down Zay Flowers. And if you're BC, get him the ball any way, shape, and form. I mean, honestly, have him line up in the backfield and hand it to him. <laughs> like seriously, do anything to get him the ball. So. That's where I, I, I want to take – I'm going to take Virginia Tech here, but I don't feel super confident because the best player on the team – or the best player on the, on the field plays for BC. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it's, it's going to be fascinating. I just can't get over the line of scrimmage. And it was so funny, KG. Mac is so mad at Boston I, I College I am upset. I am actually really upset uh, because they have unbelievable skill that just can't get the, yeah. can't get the ball. Um, but it, it was so funny. We're talking on the huddle. And uh, you know, Jordan asked the question, would you rather have uh, a great – quarterback, running back, receiver, or a great offensive line? And both EJ and Coach said, no, we don't need the O-line. They're terrible. Who cares? <laughs> and after that game, I just, really? You're like, yeah. How about now? What me. do you want? What do you want to do? You need me. It's <laughs> a great point, man. Unbelievable. Well, we gave all of our picks here. We picked a ton of games. So, obviously, if you miss some, that's fine because we're going to post our <laughs> picks on Twitter. Make sure you check those out and check out YouTube, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, we tweet us throughout the weekend. Come we love on. hearing from you guys as we're watching these games and watch ACC Network because Mac will be live in Blacksburg. That's right. We love to hear how bad I am at picking games. So go ahead and throw <laughs> that all out there. Massive weekend out of conference. We're going against the SEC, the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten and SEC. That's really all we play. Um, so excited <laughs> for that. It's kind of a, a challenge, if you will. So ACC going fly that flag. It's going to be fun to watch uh, just to, to break it all down on Monday. So Great, another great weekend. Week three is going to be even bigger. There's there's some big out of conference ones. Can't wait to break it all down with you, partner. Guys, go get SiriusXM. Have it in your car. Have it on your phone. You can take us with you anywhere. But we also need you to go over to YouTube. 
uh, over to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe to our channels, uh, and, and just leave a little feedback. It's so good to hear from you guys, as we said on Twitter as well. Uh, but until next time, we'll see you all.